Hello. Here we are. Here we are. Face to face. Yes. Couple of silver spoons. Hmm. Hmm. Looking at the document. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm. You ready to go? Yeah, sure. It's kind of feels like kind of a me heavy episode. Uh, you have. We don't know what it's gonna be yet. It's gonna <sighs> be what it's gonna be. All right, take the wheel. Have we just been here uh, recently? When when did we last record? Or has it been a long time? Oh, we're all out of sorts, because last time was a Friday. All right. Yeah. No, we're all set. Okay. Yeah, yeah no, I feel good. I feel good. I had, uh, I made, uh, I made, uh, I made pasta. I made ziti with uh, red sauce. We might talk about that in a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't make the fancy ziti. I made the straight ziti. Now that, I, mm. now that I've got a source for my ziti, whew, I'm having all kinds of ziti. Mm. Mm-hmm. But um, you, uh, you've added a good piece of follow-up here. Why don't uh, you want to run with this? You got the official party line on what we're supposed to say about the Relay stuff. Is that correct? Yeah, this is uh, member month for Relay. And we talked about Relay FM, sorry. We talked about it last week, and I felt like we did a bad job. So we're going to take another crack at it. Because you know why? Hmm. As I mentioned last time, you can become a Relay member anytime. It's not like, yeah, there's, there's member drive month. Sure, that's when we all talk about it. but mm-hmm. And that's when all the special shows get recorded. We haven't recorded ours yet, but we will soon. Um, yeah, so I thought we would take another crack at it. Oh, but before we do, I know last show I said, oh, the next show, we'll tell you who our special mm-hmm. guest is. But we still haven't recorded that episode, so I'm not going to tell you who the special guest is. I'm sorry for, I, I you, you know what it is. It's the... Pre-taped call-in show effect. We really yeah. need to get this accurate uh, mm-hmm. for the for the historical record. Um, yeah, I just didn't realize that we would be recording again before the special show, but we are. So anyway, the special show is yet to come. Within um, minutes of the show going up, I got a text message from somebody who guessed it. Oh yeah, no, lots of people guessed it. Oh really? Like who? Yeah. I don't know, a bunch of people asked me if they if they. If I knew them and they and they guessed and they guessed correctly. I told them. I gave a anyway. big clue. It's not a secret, yeah. but it's you know. Yeah. Hey, this is uh you know dramaturgy, uh, the proscenium effect. We want we want to keep it interesting for you. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? But despite the fact that you don't know who our special guest is going to be, I wanted to go through yes the party line mm-hmm. on really membership because I felt like we undersold the last time. I talked about the the thing that I like the best about, which is the special podcast feed. I'm ashamed to talk about money, John. I feel uncomfortable talking about money. I, I will tell you this. I'll let you drive. But all I want to say is, I'll tell you something. I'm a member. I'm, there you go. I'm a member. I, uh, I, I tithe annually to Relay FM. So, so, so to say it the right way, what, what, what are we doing here? What are we even doing? It's August. What's happening? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So this is Relay membership. We will have a link in the show notes again. It's www.relay.fm slash membership. Uh, that actually, the page explains it all. And last show, I tried to explain it all and did a bad job because all I said was you get this awesome feed filled with special episodes, including the one that we're going to record soon. But you get more than that. Uh, you also get apparently a monthly behind the scenes newsletter. I don't know. What, do you get that? I'm a member too, but I don't, do I not get this newsletter or is it going into spam or something? No, no, I get it. I get it. It's uh, usually looking at somebody's desk. Uh, oh, or that's right. Setup. I do read that. that yeah. That's, yes. Okay. No, I totally didn't realize what that was. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I know I, 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 of the newsletters of that sort that I get, uh, I think uh, that one and Jason Snell's Six Colors are, are two that I uh, actually enjoy. Yeah, that, I, th- I think that's what I was getting confused with because I get that one too. Anyway, you get a monthly behind the scenes newsletter. You get uh, desktop wallpapers suitable for 5K monitors. So unless you have the as-yet-unreleased uh, 
$6,000 7K monitor. These will be adequate for your desktop needs mm-hmm. uh, for all the show artwork. So you can put a wallpaper on your Mac that uh, shows that you're a fan of whichever show you're a fan of. And of course, you'd, you'd do this one. They're very, they're very low key. They're very subtle. They're, they're, they're the kind of thing. There's not like, there's not text on it and stuff. It's just the, the yeah. logo. It looks really good. People who know would know. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And you get a monthly Relay FM crossover show, I believe it's called Fusion. Am I getting the name right? Yes. So that's a, that's a whole other show. It's just one thing a month, but it's like a Relay host talking to Relay host. And apparently discounted merch at the new merch store. I'm not sure what those discounts are or how often they come, but if you want a chance for discounts, you can get that. Um, and then, of course, there's the bonus episodes that we talked about last time. Membership starts at $5 a month. You can find more options on the link that we put in the show notes, relay.fm slash membership. At the top of the page, you will see a selector where you can select which show you want to send your money to. The answer is this show that you're listening to. Yes. Or, you know, whatever you want. But, mm, like, probably honestly, this one. Probably this honestly one. after we're making a second attempt at this membership drive, I yeah. feel like we've put in the effort. We put in the, the, the time. We're not obligated to try this hard, John. We really should be rewarded for it, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Well, you, you, this is, you, you should do stuff like this more. That was, I, I understand you prepared, but that was good. It's a shame you always mute during the ads. You're, you're good at this. I mute, I mute during everything. I mute during my own speeches. Because you got to blow your nose. Yeah. Yeah. I got to blow my nose. I got to cough. But people there, people I, don't get, they don't get to hear you laugh. Laugh at my, laugh at my funny things. Mm-hmm. You laugh, you laugh but no one hears minutes. it. I know this. I've heard it, I've heard it right. sneak through where you didn't mute in time, and a couple times you laughed at something I said. What, what is the <laughs> sound of one host laughing? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, carry, carry me around the swamp on your back, and I'll show you. There you go. Uh, good job. Uh, you also have a very important update where... I thought I'd done the research on this, but you really did the research. Tell us about Millennium Actress on Amazon Prime. Yeah, last week, uh, somebody discovered there was on Amazon Prime, and I was excited about it, and we were talking about it. I'm like, you, you know, you've been looking for a way to watch us go watch an Amazon Prime. Then you discovered by apparently looking at it on Amazon Prime, or at least looking at the metadata on Amazon Prime. I just, all I did was go and hit the menus. I didn't even, you know, I don't want to be spoiled. I've only seen the first 10 minutes, but it looks very ambitious. I just went and hit the menus, yeah. Yep, and you said, oh, but the language is English. And then I waved everybody off and I said, turn back. Yeah. Uh, you do not want to watch the dub of this particular thing. I tend to like the original anyway, but I'm saying this dub is not a very good dub. Like some dubs are good. Lots of Studio Ghibli movie mm-hmm. dubs are good. This is not a good dub, unfortunately. But after the show, I was so disappointed. I'm like, well, I've got Amazon Prime. Let me look at this. So I pulled up Millennium Actress on Amazon Prime and started playing it. And lo and behold, even though the audio is list- listed as English, in the Amazon Prime Player UI, it is in fact the original Japanese audio. So ignore the metadata. Millennium Actress on Amazon Prime is absolutely safe. And for the many people who are in the movie theater right now, this we are recording this on the night when Fathom Events is showing the proper version of Millennium Actress in theaters. I got lots of nice tweets from people who either uh, have just gone into the theater to see it or just saw it and got out of the theater and Everybody loved it, and everyone is excited to see it before you, Merlin. Is it is it a movie you recommend? It's a movie that I recommend. So you can What's see his it on name? Amazon Prime. What's his name? That's you got it right. Wow, really? I got it in one. Yeah, and that's not Satoshi, the Bitcoin, that's not right? the Bitcoin guy, right? That is not okay. <clears throat> they're not they're not at all related. It's a common name, hmm. especially when you're making up an alias for a fictional person who doesn't exist. That's the director, you mean? Um, good job. Wow, you're really killing it. Seven seven fifty one, you're burying the needle. Woo. 
Yeah, no, we gotta, we're dispensing with this follow-up. But this, this next item, this I is very like intimidating to me. You don't usually move with this velocity. Do you, do you have like an appointment or something? It's it's sweaty in here. It's very oh, it's sweaty. so hot. Oh, it's seventy nine in my private office. It's moist. Ugh, I hate that. I hate that. Very moist. We um wait. I, I don't. I, did we mention? I don't know if we mentioned this last time, but um, I guess two episodes ago, we talked about cast iron pans where I had. Um, mentioned to you after an ATP came out, I'd mentioned that I have this little dingus that's like basically chain mail that I use for cleaning um, cast iron. And did, did you specifically ask people to respond? Did, did, did you ask people to respond about whether that's a good idea? I think that's a thing that you did. That sounds like something I, I did that. Do you remember having a speech about like, if you know firsthand, not that you've heard oh, or no, read something Oh no, that really online. sounds like, yes, yes, you may, you may you contact. You bracketed it. I did. I put brackets around the brackets. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so what we did was, apparently I did that. I said, hey, listen, tell us about, you know, cast iron's cool. We don't have grandma's. We don't have granny's mirror pan. How do we even get that? And I, John, get my back on this. I feel like this has got to be up there. It's definitely in the top three in terms of responses we've got from people, gotten from people on Twitter. Uh, voluminous responses. There are a lot of people who are very interested in cast iron, how to take care of it, how to season it, how to re-season it. And we got so much, well, seemingly to me, good and mostly pretty consistent feedback. Solicited feedback. Solicited feedback. Because you, you asked for it. Did I say unsolicited? No, I'm oh. just emphasizing the fact that we got so much of it is because you asked for it. I'm just glad people listen to the show. Yeah. Nice they paid um, a little bit, but. So I'm, I, since I was not the person who asked, I, I was wondering out loud, is chain mail, does that seem, that seems a little rough, you know, like, yeah. is that going to hurt the pan or whatever? Uh, and well, it goes against I, everything they tell you. Everything the, the big, big pan tells you I is. It, I don't know if it goes against it, but it's a little weird, right? Like it's, it's metal. Well, you're, you're, I think you're specifically admonished not to use like metal tools, like a metal, you're not supposed to use like a metal spatula and stuff like that or a oh, flipper. Yeah. That's what some people say. But, uh, speaking of your little chain mail thing, I found one of those in my son's room. He has a little square of chain mail. Oh, he's at that age. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember what it's from. Maybe someone gave it to him, but I'm wondering, did someone give you a pot cleaner and you think it's a little piece of chain mail? Anyway. Um, so I, did not ask for, <laughs> for care and feeding instructions for cast iron pans. But I am happy to say that uh, literally every single link that was sent to us, I had read long ago. Oh, <laughs> I am very familiar with There's lots of really good guides out there uh, for, for seasoning and caring for your pan. This, uh, this turned out to me to be something um, where, you know, I have to just, of course, <laughs> I feel silly complimenting YouTube because it's so terrible. And just every day you'll hear another thing. But, you know, it really is incredible. How much stuff I'll take a flyer on and I'll say, like, can I get information about how to fix my ice machine? And I can choose from like 10 different tutorials of different levels of quality. Painting miniatures. So much of what I've picked up has come from, you know, trying to compare different people's advice. And, um, well, let me close the thread by saying thank you to everybody who contacted us. Um, uh, but, but also, if I, can, can I continue here? Mm-hmm. I, I thought, you know, watching some of these videos... And reading some of these things, I got a little intrigued. And I said, you know, I could use a project. <laughs> yeah, you need another project. That's what you need. <laughs> Thinking of buying a hair salon. You use the, the, uh, the special uh, contrast seasoning on your pan. Oh, wow. Nice way. pull. Yeah. That stuff's kind of overrated. Very expensive. Um, 
But, uh, you know, I have, so what do I have? I have a lodge pan that, as I said to you, is the one that I feel like I've been taking pretty good care of um, with the chain mail. And like I said in, um, in, on Twitter in responding after I had told you about the chain mail, basically I just, you know, clean it out with hot water and I use the chain mail to scrape off the big stuff. I dry it, dry it, dry it. And then I put a little coating of um, like canola oil on there. But so I had that pan that I'm happy with. I, I bought a second one that's nicer, like not super fancy, but nice. And I had the old one that we kind of gave up on and just used when we go camping. And it's it's not bad, but it's like it's pebbly. It's unevenly seasoned. We never did. I didn't know how to quote unquote season or maintain a pan at the time. And so I got a little project. I got a, I made a little project for myself where I watched a bunch of videos and there's so many videos on how to season, unseason, reseason um, a uh, a skillet. So I mean, I'll probably end up getting some responses about like how I'm doing it wrong. But like the one I did, I did the super easy method where you use uh, basically a ton of easy off in a um, garbage bag for one or more nights overnight. That takes off all the old seasoning. And then I got myself some flaxseed oil, which is one of the preferred oils for seasoning. And it's just, it's kind of fun. You, um, you basically get it real dry. You'll, I'll see if I can find some videos to put in um, notes. But yeah, it's pretty fun. So you basically put on, uh, you put on a, a thin coat of this oil, wipe it off until you feel like you've wiped all of it off. And then you put it in the oven at, depending on who you listen to, 250 or 400 for like an hour you know, you also wipe it again to make sure you get all of it off. And the idea is it's like uh, homeopathy or like, uh, what's the one where you uh, take hardly uh, nothing and it does nothing? What's that called? You got it. Yeah. It's like homeopathy. You want to use way less than you think. And it oddly does like build up seasoning in like three of those sessions. It gets like nicer. So I guess the reason I mentioned that here is not to brag about my very exciting new hobby, but more to say if you have a pan you gave up on and you still have it around, um, that might be a fun project. You can also use electrolysis. I do not have electrolysis tools available. You could also use a big thing of lye, like the the, the real stuff that Easy Off kind of is. Like, <laughs> I don't have a tub of lye. I don't want a tub of lye. But I did it. And uh, I just thought I'd mention that to our listeners. If you are somebody who, you're not one of the confident people uh, responding to say, here's here's how to keep it nice. If you're one of the shameful people like me who screwed up a pan you can also do this if you ever got a griddle. Like we had a griddle we took camping and it's all rusty. I'm going to do it with that. So just thought I'd toss that out there if you need a project. Yeah, my favorite guide, and I shouldn't even say this because I don't know where the link is, but it was one of the ones among the many that were sent to us. My favorite is the very long single page web page uh, guide to using flaxseed. It didn't have an unseasoning. It was just mm-hmm. seasoning from, from a start. Um, I liked it because it had lots of explanations of why it was doing the things that it was doing and lots of nice pictures. Yeah. Why, why would the, I mean, like, so, so to a noob like me, uh, I'm not going to remember this from memory, but for a noob like me, it made sense to put oil on the pan after you've used it in the same way that you would oil uh, like a pistol. Like you don't want it to get rusty. You want to be able to like do have something that like, I guess pushes the oil away, something that's hydrophilic. But, uh, but a lot of these better tutorials also explain why, why fat, why this kind of fat, and the kind of bonds that are created. And the pop science part of me found that very satisfying too. And how to get an even coating and, you know, like I said, wiping off so much that you think you've wiped it all off, but you really haven't and repeating yeah. it a thousand times and how long it has to be in. And it's really quite an ordeal. You get a Hanzo pan. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it didn't. It didn't convince me to try to reseason mine. Mine is just continuing. That's to, you could do that with your kids. That would be fun. You, you get some nice gloves. Yeah, like a house smell really bad. And doing the and garage. He, you got. That's what I wanted to have the heat, the, the the oven on for hours at a time in the middle of the summer. <laughs> more of more of a winter project, but then the smell can't escape the house. So really, there is no good time to the dry heat season your pan. You go to your neighbor's house and do it. Maybe. Yeah, you don't even have to ask. Mm-hmm. Castle doctrine. Yeah. <laughs> This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by BarkBox. You can learn more about BarkBox right now by going to BarkBox.com slash diffs. This is a new sponsor that I'm very excited about. Uh, BarkBox is a dog crazy company. Oh my gosh, they're running the place. They create a monthly gift box that you and your furry friend will be excited to open with all natural treats and innovative toys to match your dog's needs. So here's how it works. You tell BarkBox the size of your dog so they can curate every box to meet your dog's needs. You can choose from a one-month, six-month, or 12-month plan, and you can get BarkBox shipped to your door every month on the same day. If your dog doesn't love something, BarkBox will replace it for free. All their toys are designed uh, in-house by their dog-crazy designers using the best materials, like stomach-safe t-shirt rope, spiky ball cores, and dozens of innovative squeakers. (laughs) That's a lot of terminology. All their treats are grain-free. They never contain soy, wheat, or corn. All meat is sourced in the USA, and all treats are made in the USA and Canada. Love you, Canada. Big fan. Each box has free delivery and contains over $40 worth of toys and treats, with subscriptions starting at just $22. You're going to love this. Each month is a new theme. They recently had uh, Churassic Bark and Shakespeare in the Dog Park. (laughs) For a free extra month of BarkBox, when you subscribe to a 6- or 12-month plan, you go to BarkBox.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. Free month when you subscribe to a six or 12 month plan, barkbox.com slash diffs. Go there right now and make your dog's day, barkbox.com slash diffs. Our thanks to Barkbox for supporting reconcilable differences and all of Relay FM. Uh, <laughs> dare I? Dare I? You put it in there. All right. It's all you. Okay. So last time, where did I leave it last time that we talked? I think I told you. That um, I'm I'm running betas on lots of things. I was running the beta for TVOS on my Apple TV. And what point had I gotten? Had I gotten up to talking to Apple about it? I think I had probably. Had I? Yeah, yeah. You told me that you told me that you talked to Apple and you told me what they they told you what to do with your Apple TV. Yeah. So just a quick, quick. Uh, we talked about this in last episode, episode one one zero of the Reconcilable Differences program. So basically, I, uh, I I like to live on the edge, and I had the public beta running on my Apple TV. And um, and so at one point, I, I think what I did was, <laughs> I think what I did was I just, I hit Siri, and nothing happened. And I thought, you know, that's not totally unheard of. And so I hit pause, hit menu, I hit uh, jumpy uppy TV button, I hit all the different buttons, and uh-oh, it was not doing anything. So I did a force restart. It came back up. As I said last time, I got that nasty gram with the little warning sign. Long story short, I talked to Apple and they very kindly um, basically sent me out an empty box. And uh, as I think I mentioned last time, they said, yeah, that sounds like that, that's a, a software related thing of some kind. Uh, they sent me out an empty box. And even before I had packed up and sent back the, um, the bricked Apple TV, is that a proper use of that word? It is, is that, that point bricked, yes? 
what not, what not, did it not, do? Uh, I got a, um, anytime you restarted it anyway, anyhow, it always came up on the yellow warning sign and a URL to learn how to restore or reset eh, That's it. close enough. I mean, It's re- not breaking no, in the old no, school no, sense of like all the way down, like the firmware being broken. Or like something. it won't turn on or like yeah. just a blight blinks and never, you know, but it's close enough. Okay, now this is a shameful story and I'm going to tell it anyway. So I thought that was really cool. I got the, um, I got the notice that um, it would be a new one was coming my way. And I thought, oh, that's so cool. And I popped it into a little FedEx box and put the little thing on it. And my lady dropped it off at work at the FedEx drop. And, uh, you know, but I says to myself, I say, you know, who knows how long it'll be. At the time, I did, it had not been sent out. I thought, who knows how long it'll be before I get the new one. Um, so I went ahead and I got a new 4K Apple TV. Um, and that arrived... When did that arrive? That arrived. You you ordered that by mail as well. You didn't go to the store and get it. Are you curious? Yeah. Well, I'm saying like if, if the whole thing is like I don't want to be without an Apple TV, I would think that you would just ask yourself. Ask yourself, a, John. A ask yourself if I went to a store. Ask yourself, real, really. Ask I mean, you yourself. Go, you're always going out of your house and walking around yeah. your block. And oh, yeah, I go down to the Apple store. Kid. Yeah. Um, I don't no, know where no, the Apple our, store is. Our delivery with Prime now, and so um, oh my goodness, yeah. So I set up that one, and it's been uh, it's been a champ. It's been working great, and uh, so we made. Did so you put the beta on it? So I says to myself, I think you know what, I got another one coming anyway. I should go ahead and run the beta. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no, I don't know. Yeah, but okay, yeah. So so that's been working, working, uh, working a treat. Uh, what what is it in the Apple in the TVOS beta that interests you? One does not ask why one lives on the edge. One just simply moves there. I'm, mm, I'm a lot like, mm. uh, what's his name? Uh, Free Solo. I'm a lot like Free, Free we'll, Solo. We'll, we'll sell you the whole Apple TV. <laughs> but you'll only need the edge. <laughs> In my van eating beans. Don't mean to bug you. So, <laughs> oh, wow. That's a good one. That's that ra- rattling, rattling home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good one. Wrong yeah. person. No, that's the, uh, hmm. okay. Well, Bono, says, Bono says that, but the Edge is standing right near him. Oh, I get the joke. I see. Wearing you a did hat. a funny thing because of their names. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. He um, has a funny name. He does. That's good. Yeah, so anyway, it's been running great, running great. So I made, uh, made dinner tonight. We're, uh, we're, we're having dinner. I'm watching something on um, the application called Plex. And, uh, and I said, you know, actually I want to go find uh, this funny video on YouTube instead. So first I hit Siri and it didn't immediately respond, which is not unusual because sometimes Mm. that just doesn't work. So I hit pause and play pause. That didn't work. I hit menu. I hit uh, TV icon, jumpy, uppy, uppy, and that didn't work. And I turned to my lady and I said, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, I said, I said, I have a feeling the thing happened again. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and i had you know that feeling you know that feeling it's like the feeling when you realize back in the day that you haven't saved i had that feeling that's like there's a chance this isn't what i expected but i feel very very strongly i know exactly what just happened so i did it i hit the i think you hit the, what is it play and menu and you hold it apple comes up um you're not going to believe this but when it came up i had the warning symbol and a url for where to go to reset slash restore it that was an hour ago I mean, uh, technically, since this is a new thing, uh, you know, it's 
Yes, you're repeating past mistakes, but yeah, it's on no a mistake. new device. I'm living on the edge. I'm I'm Han Solo, free solo. It's on. It, it's a new. It's a new device. So when you call support, they're not going to be like you broke your Apple TV again. As far as they're concerned, you're a new person with a new Apple TV. This is the first time this has ever happened to you. You don't need to mention your shameful past. Oh no, it's not that. I mean, it's more that like. Uh, well, I, I do think it's kind of fun that I somehow managed to do exactly the same bricking or near bricking thing to a piece of hardware. Um, and now, I mean, you were just using it. Like, I feel like these betas are, are they're bad. Now betas. the question becomes there, it's not out of the realm of imagination that I was also using Plex the last time this happened. Um, who should I, not, 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 to, not to complain, but to be helpful, who should I contact about this? Do I contact Plex or do I contact Apple? I mean, I don't think. You already did contact Apple, mm-hmm. basically, with the old one and sent it back to I, but them. But I don't think so. I was helpful. I don't think I was able to give them any feedback on... Uh, I would say don't bother contacting anybody. Uh, wait until the real version of tvOS 13 comes out. Use it. And then if that screws up in the same way, mm-hmm. that's when you contact somebody and the somebody would be Apple. But like you're the developer here. That I would consider that for somebody, that's a showstopper. Maybe, but like I said, you you've actually literally returned the hardware to them in the brick state, mm-hmm. uh, and if they 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 can diagnose that as much as they want, but maybe it's a known issue. Okay, but like it's not Plex's problem. Like if it, if Plex crashed, maybe that's Plex's problem. If the whole Apple TV is hosed, that is Apple's problem. Okay, not Plex's problem. Yeah. So you know when I um, <laughs> it all wraps back around. Of course, it's being delivered via UPS, and uh, <laughs> it's late. But when I do get it, um, maybe... You should just order another one through Amazon Prime now. You get it in two hours. You're saying it'll be Circle of Life. I'll just, yeah, I'll just, just keep doing just this. Just every day, just every day order an Apple TV. <laughs> just I feel like they're, they're disposable now It's like Ben life. Franklin says, you know, if, if you don't know what it's for, they will. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. All right, so that's cool. Um, but I also, I want to I redouble my, uh, my gratitude slash admiration for how the setup process has improved <laughs> yeah because now you're experiencing it so much like this is oh, great oh i'm so needing to, to so yeah. iCloud sync my home screen and sign up and just we're all ready to go yeah yeah 100 anyway no it's pretty great i mean the only i did have a slightly weird thing where it had two accounts with my name and i had a little bit of trouble but like it's my only piece of advice, well, I guess my piece of advice would be probably don't run betas. That's not really my advice. I don't care. Um, my only real piece of advice that it's hard to say because you either know this or you don't is uh, very first thing you do is to get your phone set up as a remote. You know, I, I really feel like they should make it clear to people how much that changes your experience of using this device, especially during setup. You know what I mean? Well, well, they really want people to like immediately upon first use, just really settle in for their, you know, uh, you know, long-term hatred of that remote as they use it to try to enter enter their you know, password and email address, right? So they don't want you to use the phone and bypass that or delay that part of the process. It's just day one, immediately you should start hating this remote. And that's why yeah. they don't prompt you to set up your phone. Well, I, w- I actually, I did get pretty, I have to admit, I did get pretty flustered because I think... I'm not sure if it's related to, I, I don't know if you need to have been logged into iCloud, but it was being weird. It was being weird, but um, eventually got that set up. But yeah, one of the times I was, it's too long to explain, but but basically I had these two accounts. I was logged into the wrong thing. So I use one Apple ID for my media stuff. I use one Apple ID stuff 
one Apple ID for my like personal stuff, photos, syncing, et cetera, right? I know that's not unheard of, but it had gotten the wrong Apple ID for media stuff. So it was saying I didn't have any movies. I had to re-log in. Um, and I was amazed. Well, the first time, of course, that I tried to use Siri to enter my password, of course, it didn't work. Uh, the second time talking, it did work because I did it real slow and checked every letter. But um, no, I mean, I, I don't mean to turn this into an opportunity to bitch about the remote, but it's really bad. It's not just bad to, it's certainly bad to use every day, but yeah, you, you nailed it. I mean, you're being funny, but if this is your first experience, I mean, this is a Halo product in some ways, right? I mean, this is the kind of product where like, if you like your iPhone, you might want to check out the Apple TV, if you, you know, et cetera. If this is your first or second experience with an Apple product, wow. If you had to use that to remote, remote to put in a halfway decent password, Jiminy Christmas. Or to navigate in any way other than well, rap speech. Well, I, I, I agree. I think it's, there's a lot about it that's, on the one hand, not intuitive. Now, things that are not intuitive, you can get the hang of, right? That's, that's not, a, that's not a, a deal breaker. What is frustrating is the, even if you have gotten used to it, John Syracuse, uh, this is my primary box for watching TV, and I watch a lot of TV. So, and I think we talked about this a couple times before, I cannot consistently hit or swipe in the right place to go back a few seconds without invoking a pull-up, you know, like a Hulu pull-up menu or something like that. That's the problem. The, the problem is not that it's difficult to learn. The problem is that even when you have learned it, it's still difficult to use. There's nothing to memorize about it, really. Yep, it's uh, it's almost intentionally bad. Uh, it feels, know, it feels know, punitive. It really does feel punitive. And I know some people like it, but lots of people like things that are hard to use because there's like sort of a novelty or fun factor or they appreciate the good aspects of it, but it's just objectively a bad remote. It is. Because like it, a, yes. a, a, good, a, a bad remote doesn't mean everybody hates it. A bad remote means that like if you measured people's success can people use the remote for its intended purpose? What is the error rate? Yeah. How many things can go wrong? How many things do go wrong? You can measure that. And for this remote, it's not good. There are too many errors. There are too many problems with it. It's, you know, too, too many things happen with that remote that don't happen as much with other remotes. And, you know, just, it's not, not a good product. I, I hope every day that uh, they will fix it. And the thing is, the <laughs> Apple TV I heard, I heard is it's it, because they don't want to make a bigger box. <laughs> the the, the <laughs> Apple TV that theory is so, I heard you was that ATP or talk show where you yeah, said that ATP that's such an yeah. that seems so weird to me you know, people come up with all sorts of uh, reasons for things uh, like it, this box it, if they continue to sell it at all is an opportunity to provide a sort of a better experience than the built in stuff and the way they can provide a better experience is because you're paying the money and they have really good technology really good OS really good processors is to have uh, an interface that is nicer and faster and more responsive and has more features than the ones that are built into your TV, which presumably can't cost that much money and they don't have the same operating system and processors as Apple does. And it's not a hundred and something bucks on top of the cost of your TV. It's probably like $25 for the stuff. You know, like there are, Apple has all the advantages to give you the best possible experience. And in many ways, the Apple TV inter- interface can be fancier and more responsive than built-in TV stuff. But the fact is that you use it by holding that remote and that just blows the whole game. And there are other aspects of it that aren't great either. Uh, and so it's just, it's a wasted opportunity. And I hope Apple doesn't give up. I hope they keep making these little boxes as a premium experience. I just hope they actually make it premium. 
Uh, if you keep buying them, maybe you'll subsidize that effort. I feel like I'm doing my part. Um, we, um, I don't know how long ago. Uh, well, I guess this started, so we, we, we put it in a case. This started with uh, Brett Terpstra had something for a little while where you get this, uh, he made these little wooden blocks that you could put the Apple remote in. We had one of those. But now we switched to these uh, silicon cases. And uh, it. You mean silicone? Yeah. Oh, I did it, didn't I? You did it. Gruber did it too, right? Well, come Gruber, come on. So, yeah, okay, sorry. No excuse. Uh, silicone case, yeah, it's made out of sand. Um, and uh, boy, that does help a lot. It doesn't make the operation of the remote better, but at least now you don't have a coin flip on, are you holding it the right way? Because in the dark, even, mostly dark, of just the TV, you can see where the chin is, right? There's a big orange part, in our case, where the chin is to grab. But um, Plus you get some bumpers so you don't accidentally hit the... The incredibly sensitive touchpad with the yeah, I, side I can't of your imagine. Finger. I can't imagine not using one of those. To be honest, it's um, everybody's different. I mean, it's so funny when I, when I first put the battery case on my iPhone, the you know the the chargey battery case. I thought I will never in a million years get used to this, and now I really prefer holding it with that case. It just feels better to me. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. Um, but this is also something I think I've mentioned. Something my kid and I end up arguing about, and she doesn't mainly to needle me, but. At least three or four times a week, I'll be doing something with Hulu, which is probably our most used app. I mean, we watch a lot of stuff on Hulu, and I'll be using it, and I'll do—I'll have to navigate that weird horizontal menu and the sub-horizontal menu, and I'll just say, I'll say, I'll say, this is a terrible, terrible app. And she'll say, no, it's not. It's a very good app. And I'll say, no, it's a terrible app. You're used to it. You don't realize what a good app can be like. See, now, I try not to do that too often, because it's not only boring, it's not helpful, but I do think that's true with the remote, where— the, the TiVo Peanut remote was in some ways a pinnacle because it not only drove this transformative piece of personal technology, but it was on a, an entirely two orders of magnitude different level in terms of being a remote. You could just get where everything on that was. You could be the master of your TiVo within a couple days of using that. Um, and that was for me 2000 when I got that. Excuse me, 2001. So... I just don't feel anything approaching that with the Apple TV remote. I don't know who who could love that apart from somebody with strange aesthetic tastes. I just who would want to use that? I guess it's small, which is good, but it's just it, it would be so bad. Small is not good. Small is not good. No, I no, I agree. I'm just there's always it's the same same kind of people who want a minimalist desk, whatever that means. We're like they have their aesthetic reasons why they like things a certain way. Um I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm with you though. It's um, I, I like the Apple TV more than most people. I think it suffers so much from the software. Um, there's just so many way, ways it suffers from the software. It suffers not least because the the whole TV app, the way the TV app is going, it's not good, John. You know, it used to feel like I remember it used to feel like when I first got an Apple TV, it really felt like a costly hardware front end to the iTunes Store. Right, and then over time, so many uh, apps came along that, if not fantastic apps, certainly all different interfaces, at least added a lot of power. And when I could do stuff like you got Plex on there, you get the DS stuff for your um, Synology DS. Is that what it is? But any of all that stuff, it, it becomes so powerful. I'm telling you, buddy, the next direction for the TV app, not awesome. Because, like, for example, you're going to need to, like, fish around. Even though you have single sign-on for a lot of stuff, you still have to fish around to go anywhere but the App Store a lot of the times. 
it really does like fall back to if we have this on the app store a surprising amount of the time, that's what's above the fold. You, you know, I don't think there's a way to say always prefer a Hulu link on this. Obviously, if it's HBO, it's got to go to HBO. But like, I don't know, man. It's the, the, the whole paradigm of that. Apps are the future of TV and the TV app is the future of TV apps. It's, I really hope they rethink it fundamentally in the next little while. If they're going to stick with it, they're, they're going to have to do better. If they had gotten Netflix in there, I feel like it was viable. But since they didn't, I don't know why they're even continuing to pursue it because it's it's not. There's no unification. I don't want to go on about this, but you know, it's it is it's. There's a lot of fish or fowl stuff going on. So some stuff that it does do well. I don't. I don't. I mean, one of the very first things I would do on any stock setup of the Apple TV is to change what the little TV icon does. Like, I don't. I do not want that to go to the TV app. You know what I mean? I think isn't that the uh, isn't that the default is like if you hit that it goes to the TV app. Yeah, I think that I think that is the default most configurable. I, I I don't willingly interact with the TV. No, app. no, the but I'm telling time, you out of the box. What I'm interact. trying to say is that out of the box, that's what they think or want people to use. They want they want the TV app to be the thing that becomes like a like a finder, I guess. Um, and so here's the problem with the fish and foul part is like uh, some stuff is good. So you can go in and you can log in. You do a single sign on. In my case. I do have a sign-on for Comcast Cable. I have a, a small Comcast package that comes with my internet package. But Hulu is where I would prefer to watch things. But even then, you, have you done the thing where you th- then have to go in and sign into any app? You have to find where the sign-in... So you've done single sign-on, but you're not done because now in every app, you have to go in and like go to find settings and then find... You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's frustrating. So then the fish and foul part becomes, okay, it's kind of cool that the TV app remembers some stuff that I've seen recently. It seems to know stuff that I do like. So I'll get a row of thumbs that are stuff like, oh yeah, John Oliver, which I don't love, but I do watch sometimes. John Oliver's there. Yeah, do you want to pick back up with the survivor? You're watching that weird reality show where you paint naked people. You know, do you want to hop back to this? That's good. But then you go down just a little bit and not only is it a lot of basically ads for movies and TV from the iTunes store, as ever, it seems to have, it doesn't know what you already own. <laughs> like I constantly see thumbs for TV. When I go to like, one of my favorites is recent discoveries. Like if you go to the iTunes area on iOS, that's a good section because you can usually find some kind of cool like curated stuff in there. But it, it has, it doesn't seem... I mean, am I saying something dumb here? Doesn't it seem like it should not show me stuff that I already own? Maybe, but maybe it, maybe it's just encouraging you to watch stuff you already own. I don't need to see another ad for Endgame. Like, I own it. Yeah. And so anyway, and that's, that's the Fisher Fowl problem, is you get in there and you're like, I don't know what I'm in for if I click on some of these. Like, if I click on this, it's going to say, oh, you need, you need the Stars app. And if you have, for the Stars app, you need the Stars service. Or you need to do the single sign-on. And it's like, wow, that's, I know this is difficult territory, you know, we're we're probably never going to see another thing quite like Steve Jobs saying, here's $1 DRM-free MP3s. I know that kind of thing is a thing of the past, but it really, it, it's, a, it's a little bit of a hellscape to use. So I own two of yeah. them. Yeah. Oh, by the way, a second ago, the other one just arrived. My wife signed for it. There you go. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I get to set my up main, another one. My main interaction with the TV app is, because it does own the sort of top of the screen now, and it, it owns those giant thumbnails that are up there and every once in a while it will decide that it, put, it wants to put a thumbnail up for something that i like 
started playing to test something, you know, two days ago, right? So now it's the second or third place thumbnail. And it's some scene that I don't find aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. And I want to get rid of it. Yeah. And I was happy to find go watch, that there go is watch three more things. Yeah. No, but I was happy to find that in the TV app, there is actually a feature that says like hide this from previews or something like that. As so that's been only might been my only interaction. It's like I understand you on the top of the screen. I'm going to ignore what you put there because even when I see like continue watching the rook, continue watching the rook is exactly what I want to do. But I have no faith that if I hit that square, you will start the right episode for me. I know what episode we're on. We're on episode five. Uh-huh. So I go down to the stars app. I go down to the rook. Go down to episode five and I hit play. And that works every time. Saying watch the rook into the remote or hitting that thing in the upper left corner of the TV app, hit or miss. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to watch the rookie? Yeah. No, uh. no. And also, I mean, is it just me or like, so like we, the way ours is arranged, our top row is, what's our top row? Oh, I have to think. Plex, Netflix, Hulu, TV, movies is our top row. So if I, if I click, if I, if I not click, but if I move through and go, you know, tick, 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 right, left to right, Plex shows me previews of what I've been recently watched. Netflix shows me things of, you know, put stuff up there. Hulu doesn't do anything. Am I right that uh, TV and movies only sometimes show you things up there? Sometimes it's just a blank color that says TV or movies? I assume the TV thing owns everything up there and, and that the the little movies thing doesn't own anything up there, but I honestly, I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> I don't understand what goes on in that top part. And every app imitates that too. They all have some big thing at the top that I ignore. It's like ad banner blindness, but they're not ads. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes they are, but I just want to go past them to the things that work sort of like how I might expect them to. Mm-hmm. I still hold out hope. I mean, if they, I mean, they, they, they've, they've, um, <laughs> they're apparently doing something with, I mean, they, they, they talked about this on the watch uh, that podcast I like where they say that really the thing Apple isn't great with the thing that Apple is great with in TV is press releases. They're real good at telling you what they're going to do, but like, it'd be nice to see some more product get this, this show that they're so excited about, about the morning talk show. And like they put out this like strange sort of impressionistic pseudo trailer and, but obviously, I mean, Mike and Jason say this every week. You know, they're 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 tired of reminding everybody how serious Apple is about TV because they've hired people from Sony, I guess. But like, I, I just if they're that serious about TV, um, and they're that serious about other services, doesn't it seem like they're going to have to do something here? Eventually, like uh, the thing is, you if they have one or two hit shows, it doesn't matter what garbage their app is. I mean, the Netflix app wasn't great shakes when house of cards came out either that's it all all depends on the content and in, in the really you say that in the face of uh disney plus yeah sure i mean mm-hmm. because disney plus already already has hits like they have known quantities disney, and properties i'm just saying disney plus for the price is going to be a no-brainer for most people with families and kids i, I mean in these uh, times of confusion you think there are going to be people who get and keep the Apple TV service for one or two shows they like? If there's, yeah, if there's one or two shows that people actually like, sure they will. Like you can, hmm. you can run out, you can, uh, I think you can sustain an entire service off one hit show. If the only thing HBO had was Game of Thrones for the past couple of years, yeah. that would have been enough. Yeah, but then they, they, but they're smart because like right around the time I'm ready to say, mm, I could, I, I mean, I don't watch, I watch four things on HBO, but I really like those four things mostly. And now that Succession's mm-hmm. back, like I'm going to keep it. Yeah, and they have Big Little Lies is HBO as well. So yeah. it, 
doesn't, doesn't take much. And like, obviously, it's unsustainable for mass audiences, but I'm not sure that that was ever in the cards. I mean, uh, Netflix and Disney Plus need to go for the big audiences. I feel like Apple and HBO can go for the people with disposable income audiences. Hmm. All right. Good way to put it. I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't know. Like it's just, I'm sure they all have ambitions to be something, but like the, the consolidation and the bundling is slowly happening again. I don't know if this has been discussed under the programs, but it's, it's pretty clear that like the diversification phase is over and now we're back to, you know, back, back to the bundling phase just because, Oh yeah. The, sh- the shakeouts, to, the shakeouts are going to be coming. Yeah. And, and it's instead of paying it tons of little bills, having paying one bill for more stuff, even if you don't want like the ESPN plus or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I still think they should have, uh, maybe they tried, but I still think Olivia Coleman would have made a great Miffany. Breaks my heart. I didn't read that book, so I don't, I don't have any attachment to the, the material. But It's a good book. It's a really good book. I think yeah. she's too young. She's too young in something. Should I, should, I, I don't know. should I stick with it? I, uh, I watched one and I, I kind of went, like everybody, I guess I kind of went, Pfft. do you, uh, you didn't read the book, but are you enjoying the TV show? We're talking here about the TV show, The Rook, based upon the Daniel O'Malley novel that I can highly recommend. Yeah, my wife read the book and liked it, so we're watching it together. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I was watching it on my own, I, I would have continued through the whole thing. I would be done by now, but I would have continued. Let me ask you this. If, if you can answer this in a non-spoilery way for me and our audience in the book, by the time you're a third of the way into the book, especially, you're going, wow, this would be difficult to make into a movie because it would definitely require some pretty good special effects. Are there special effects and are they pretty good? Uh, I just the episode I just saw uh, had a tiny little bit of special effects, and they were fine. It's not an effects. That's what they show. describe in the book is like, like bananas. Third act of <laughs> not not third. I was gonna say third act of Endgame, but like, but but serious. Like it, it would be quite a production to stage some of the stuff in the book. I mean, maybe they're saving all the money for those last episodes, but I have a feeling that's not going to be this kind of show. It's mostly yeah. a bunch of British actors talking in uh, interiors. <laughs> This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Burrow. Learn more about Burrow right now by visiting burrow.com slash diffs. Burrow makes simple, innovative furniture for modern life at home. Their award-winning sofa is packed full of clever features and thoughtful touches. You'll wonder why you didn't upgrade your living room situation sooner. They have some rave reviews. One customer said uh, Burrow has nailed it on quality, craftsmanship, and service. Another review said it was incredibly easy to set up. It only took 20 minutes. We love how versatile it is. The Burrow sofa is modular. It comes together in minutes. We're not talking about hours. It comes in boxes, boxes, and you put them together. It's real easy. I'll tell you why in a minute. How do I know? I'll tell you. You can add or remove seats as you need them. You can easily take it apart if you move. And it even has a built-in USB charger. You guys, a built-in USB charger. You can charge your stuff right from your sofa. What century am I living in? Burrows are also super customizable. Choose from five fabric colors, three leg finishes, two armrest styles, and any length. You can add, even add a chaise or an ottoman. We did that. We added that to ours. Plus, they just launched, launched the uh, Nomad Leather Collection, which features their same convenient design, but now with the option of top-grain Italian leather upholstery. Wow, I wish I'd known about that because I bought one of these. I bought a burrow with my own money. I've been couch shopping for years. It's the worst. We finally said, you know what? This one's been on our short list. Let's get a burrow. We got it. I put it together, and now my family sits on the burrow. Love it. So if you're in the market for a new sofa, give your living room the upgrade that it deserves with a burrow sofa. 
get $75 off a new sofa and free one-week shipping by visiting bro.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. That's B-U-R-R-O-W dot com slash diffs for $75 off your first order. Our thanks to Burrow for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. At least three minis so we can... Yeah, do it. I love the minis. Now, but these are all me. Well, no, but they're they're me interrogating you. Oh, please interrogate me. Yeah. Uh, Merlin's reminder call. (laughs) I think I know what this is. Do you? What's your guess? I think this is going to be about my now official canonical need to text John Roderick every Sunday night to remind him that he has a show every Monday at 10. See, I knew about that already either because you told me privately or because it's come up on the show before in a joking way. But you actually talking about it on Roderick on the line explicitly on the show because everything that's in the show is in the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it got me to think, wait a second. Merlin sometimes texts me and says something like, we on tonight? Or something like that? Very rarely. Right. And, and it occurred to me, wait, if he's doing this because he's afraid, and it's a very well-founded fear, that if he doesn't do it, John will forget the podcast exists and not show up. Right. Is that what he's thinking when he sends me that's a, the text? That's a provocative and interesting question. Uh, let's come back to uh, John Prime but, and, and go to stay with... Well, go ahead. Well, before you answer yeah. that about your motivation or thing, I just want to tell, assure you mm-hmm. that you never need to remind me that the podcast is happening. The last time I did it was because it was on a Friday and we happened to be talking on that day. It didn't cost me anything to make sure. No, the, it doesn't. I'm I'm not telling you not to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm just assuring you that you don't need the you don't need the reminder call. TM, TM, I absolutely TM. do not need the reminder. I'm a full fledged grown up. You're kidding. You write stuff down on a has calendar. A job and what? children. Wait a minute. And really? I keep track of all of them. You not and... only remember that the podcast exists, but you remember the the regular, repeatable, seven mm-hmm. years standing recording time. Mm-hmm. Well, see, I have a calendar for that. So you have a ca- 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 That's right. Calendar. Put, put the things in it. Uh-huh. No, I don't. Yeah, I, I can. I, I promise you. I've been ruminating. I have to I I, remember. I, I have to admit it. I've been ruminating. I've been ruminating since Monday. I can't stop thinking about that exchange. I just keep yeah. thinking about it. I'm like, why do I do this? That's so insane. He's got to be playing me. Uh, maybe. Uh, but like, I, I mean, do you want to find out? But, uh, but anyway, tell, like, tell people it, what we're talking about. So John Roderick... Uh, Claims. I mean, John Roderick says a lot of things. Let's just put the start with exactly. that. Exactly. Says a lot of things. Uh, is everything he says true? Is anything that he says true? Is it exaggerated for comedic effect? Is it is it the actual honest truth all the time? Hard to say. Uh, but in your podcast that you've been doing with him for what seven years now, he said that if you don't contact him to remind him, basically remind him of two things: a) what day of the week it is, and then b) that tomorrow at a certain time you are planning to record a, record a podcast it's a very good chance that he will not remember that that's going to take place despite the fact that he's been doing it weekly for seven years I, I would put it even slightly differently in a more insane way it's not that he won't remember it's that he won't know right so remembering implies <laughs> that that it's something he encoded the, the even more but when he said something like i don't know whether i don't know the difference between thursday and saturday which to me is like 
uh, just a mind boggling proposition to not know even that it's a weekday versus a weekend day. But like, the, I, I think that he, he would not, there's nothing for him to forget. It doesn't encode. That's the part that I keep thinking about. I mean, you could, if you wanted to test him on this, you'd say like, look, I, the podcasting, the, despite the fact this is mainly what he does with his days and he has multiple scheduled podcasts on a fairly regular repeating schedule, he does have other obligations and responsibilities. And the question exactly. is, so for example, when it's your day to like pick up your kid at school, is someone else outside oh of God. you calling to remind you, by the way, remember today you, you have to go pick up your daughter at school at this time. Or is that the type of stuff that he spends his energy remembering and then, and then that therefore there's nothing left for the weekly podcast because he's, all of his calendaring right. and remembering and keeping track of the days of the week is dedicated to his actual obligations and his podcast obligations are secondary or tertiary. But he said himself he, he has four of them. Like, yeah, I don't know how you could have four repeating weekly obligations and either not remember it or, as I say, not know it. I mean, yeah, but you, I mean, you think Ken Jennings of, has to text him to remind him? There's, there's a little bit. That's that's the other factor of it is you, the, the sort of the learned helplessness thing. Like he he records his own side of the podcast for the other podcast. I've brought this up before, but you record everything for him mm. because in the beginning that's all you thought he could handle. But the other parents are giving more tough love and setting boundaries and saying, "No, John, you figure out how to return your side, and that's how it's going to work." You t- you talk you talk a big game for somebody who doesn't have to have these conversations. Well, I mean. I record my side and you record your side. Yeah, well, that's because, uh, now which one of, who, who, who's learned helplessness, John or me? Uh, John, because technically you're him. doing things, because you're doing things for him, you know what I mean? So, uh, yes, so I, th- there had been enough handful of occasions when he didn't seem to know, it's hard to tell because he's not on time, but it's hard to know if he remembered that we're doing it. And I'm not complaining, I'm just stating this for the record. And so I got into the habit of Sunday nights texting him and, and <laughs> not reminding him, asking him, are you good to record tomorrow at 10 a.m.? Yeah, you've asked me occasionally, too. Those are the worst ones when you ask a question. Like, are we, are, well, that's what I'm saying. Are we still What are you on? talking are we still about? I don't, I don't do that. Very rarely, but you have done it, especially in the beginning you would do to film. Somehow you had it in your, it was just either force of habit or you just thought, well, I don't know. This is an unknown quantity. We just started doing this podcast. Maybe he's not the kind of person who remembers to do things. I don't feel like I do that unless I feel like I need to do that. No, well, I'm telling you, you never need to, but you can. It's fine. Well, I I'm, mean, it depends on the person. Max travels a lot, and like, you yeah, know, you, he you just do work brings with a lot he, of unreliable people. Yeah, he brings some. He brings some Dixie cups and an XLR cable to a hotel room, and it just assumes it'll work. And <laughs> so, like, I sometimes I'm like, because it, it only really becomes a problem. I'm willing to suck up my pride and just deal with whatever most of the time, even though it grinds my gears when people are late for things or haven't remembered things. It really does. It does personally, as you know, personally grinds my gears. But um, I'm, a, I'm a grown man and I got stuff to do and it's more important to get the thing done than it is to be right. So the only times where I do have to be more scowly about it is where I am time constrained. And I don't want to be a d- about it. But sometimes I do have to say, look, are we good to start at, let's say, well, for the sake of argument, are we good to, are we good, we're going to start at 10 tomorrow on time and we will be totally done before noon, correct? Because I have a pickup at this time that can't move. And so if we start 45 minutes late, like that's not going to make it possible. And I feel like I, I, when that, in that position, I feel, sometimes I do feel very like tightly wound because this doesn't seem to be something that, 
other people as, are as concerned or cognizant about as I am. But I, I feel for one of the few times in my life, I feel like I can see the matrix. I feel like I have cerebro. I, f- I don't know how other people can't think the way that I think in that instance. I don't know how you are an adult in life without thinking about the effects of time and dependencies and pushing things out. Just because that's like so top of mind in everything that I do is like the, the one part of project management I was kind of good at was just being a real karma suck about saying, well, if this thing happened and that, and that thing happens, we're going to lock our keys, keys in the car. We won't be able to do that thing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's one reason um, is I just have, so if I feel like it's something where it might get messed up because somebody else hasn't maybe thought about the implications of the behavior that they exhibit on a regular basis, that's when I will, owing to an abundance of precaution, uh, you know, just check back in with people to make sure that we all agree on what the thing is. And of course, it rarely makes a difference. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, but now, the, but now I'm the karma suck, or I'm the now I'm the pill because I, you know, well, I did tell you that I've got pickup mm-hmm. at this time, and I've got to go, and that's it's not a power move; it's life. And I, I wish you would care about yours the way I care about mine. Well, the thing is, it, as you as you mentioned many times on uh, your various programs, that you have. Uh, arranged your life in such a way that you have freedoms x y and z and i get the feeling that some people arrange their lives in such a way that they have no obligation that can't be moved by an hour two hours 45 minutes i mean it certainly seems that way especially right? if you're like surrounded they, by people that feel the same way or no, who or who abide that yeah, feeling about life yeah exactly like it, 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 you know i don't i don't know if that is really the case but certainly from, from the perspective like it, it seems that way. It doesn't, although, actually, that's not entirely true. Let me say this, because sometimes Max has a thing. And he's like, well, uh, you, know, you guys can continue, but I have to go. He had a thing. Now, whether he poorly planned for his thing, and if he'd started earlier, he would have had time. He does actually have sometimes things that he has to go to. Sure, sure, sure. Right? So those exist, but I think there are fewer of them, and they're not as regular and boring as our sort of very regimented scheduled lives of kid pickup and stuff. Also that I feel like, um, I feel like it's on me. I'm a basket case as a person in so many ways, but I really do feel like it is on me to take care of my half acre of all of these, the things that I do, the relationships that I have, you know, sort of like, you know, like you just felt the need to say to me, Hey, just so you know, you don't have to remind me. And the truth is, I know I don't have to remind you because we have developed uh, this is a little bit of behind the scenes, but uh, every time John and I record, this will happen in about an hour. Every time we record, the one of the we'll, we'll chat a little bit and gossip about our friends. But then John will pull up the calendar and he will either schedule the next one of these, or usually just really basically verify that we're recording another one of these almost exactly two weeks from right now. And then we both turn our keys. And we both say, yes, that's correct. It's on the calendar. You're the one who's usually in charge of sending invites. And that system works really well because not only are we both conscientious about that, um, but it is mature in a way that if we do get into silly season a couple times a year, we're able to like pull up the calendar and work it out. Um, and no, I, I, I have every confidence in, in you for stuff like that. Not because I think you're tightly wound, but because I think you're conscientious. And I, I think there's an important distinction. Tightly wound is you hold people to a high standard and exercise privilege in a way that can be just mean. Like, you know, the kinds of things where you like, we talked about this once before, where I've wondered if demanding punctuality is a form of privilege or when it can be a form of privilege. There are some people that just like inconveniencing other people 
and then they get to look like, you know, the person who's really organized. But um, no, it's more that like I want the trains to run on time. And I just, uh, I'm, I have tried to set things up with, a, with enough buffer time that I can accommodate other people's changes gracefully. My recollection, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that there was one time where I was texting you about something about stuff we're going to talk about, and you said something to the effect, oh, that's right, we're recording tomorrow because it's a weird day, and I'd forgotten about that. Presumably, you would have seen it on your calendar eventually anyway, but that there may actually be one instance where I unintentionally reminded you that there's a show that we do. You did. This was, this was not more than a couple months. It was over the summer, I'm pretty sure. And then remember, no, no, that, that was that one like three or four episodes ago where I, we had to jam in an extra one because I was traveling. That was, mm-hmm. I think that, and then I had forgotten. Yeah, and then we talked about it on the show. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's, um, I, 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 I'm going to feel bad about talking about this at all because I'm not, I'm not trying to like, as they say, drag people, especially in their absence. But like, it was, it was, it was partly that I couldn't stop thinking about John saying he doesn't know what day of the week it is. And I don't know if he's kidding. I mean, I feel like he's got to be kidding. Because like I said, he's he does, have, to be he does have family obligations. And I feel like he's not falling down on those. Right. So he, he's got to know what day of the week but, is. But the thing is, I had for, I'm going to say pretty much every Sunday before we recorded, especially during the times, like silly season, where I want to make sure we're, we're stacking up. Hey, just so you remember, I want to make sure you know we're, we're doing two episodes tomorrow. You know, so you can plan accordingly. I'll do that. Um, and then about two weeks ago or so, for whatever reason, I didn't text him and then last sunday ish i also didn't text him and he texted me and said are we recording tomorrow at 10 i said yes sir we are there you go you're letting him uh, spread his wings yeah i mean it's not it's really it's 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 not a, a, a big deal you it's just, introduce, introduce john to the getting things done system yeah <laughs> you think i should huh mm-hmm you know, David Allen says that if you don't have a, an inbox, your whole life turns into an inbox. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. John's whole life is an outbox. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by visiting squarespace.com slash diffs. Make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and so much more. Maybe you want to create an online store, a portfolio, a blog, whatever you want to do, you put it on Squarespace. It's an all-in-one platform. lets you do whatever you need to do. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, and no upgrades are ever needed. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff because Squarespace has got it covered. They have award-winning 24 by 7 customer support if you ever need any help, and they let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. Also, all of their award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. I've been mentioning this uh, recently. I'm uh, brewing up a new project, very, very small project, probably the smallest project I've ever brewed. But um, of course, I turned to Squarespace. In the last few days, I have been uh, working with the Squarespace uh, website to, uh, to make a new website. That's what it's for. It's a website for websites. They can just use that. Um, and it's so fun. It's so fun to go back and use this again, mostly from scratch and to, um, to really just see how powerful and really how fun it is to do. Uh, love it. Love the Squarespace and, uh, Squarespace plans. They start at just $12 a month, which is hardly any money, but you can start a trial right now with no credit card required. You go to squarespace.com slash diffs. That's D I F F S. When you decide to sign up, use that offer code diffs, and that'll get you 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain, and it will show your support for reconcilable differences. 
Once again, you go to squarespace.com slash diffs, offer code diffs for 10% off your first purchase. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Hey, wait a minute. You brought this up. Tell me what you, you know what? You got something to say here. Tell me what you think. Because I think, I think you've got something to say. Tell me what you think. About what? Merlin's reminder call. You mm-hmm. have an opinion about this, and I want to make sure it's been fully excised. I want to hear your opinion, because like, I'm guessing it's an opinion about me and what a dingling I am to tacitly agree to do this. But did you also have a thought about John that you wanted to say? Mr. 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 Brave Pants? The main thing I wanted to convey was that you don't have to do it with me, successfully communicated. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. With John, I think, this is a combo of you and John, I think you are very willing to repeat a process that is successful forever, essentially, because it works. So why change it? But, but that could be, you're saying that could be cutting the ends off the roast. Yeah. yeah not just cutting the ends off the roast because it's, it's a thing that does it, that serves a purpose and works. But I, you know, for something like this, I would be like, yeah, the system works, but do I have to keep doing this? Mm-hmm. Is, at what point can I stop doing this? And I think as evidence mounts that there is a chance that you could stop doing this, the evidence being that John has a bunch of other podcasts with hosts that presumably don't do this. Yeah. I feel like uh, it would behoove you to scratch that itch and pursue, pursue that uh, suspicion and say, can I stop doing this particular piece of busy work? Has it outlived its usefulness? Even though, I, yes, I know it works and it's a routine. Or Not that you have to, because maybe yeah. it's just a comforting thing that you like to do, but... Mm. Uh, I feel like that is an opportunity for optimization. And on John's side, it's an opportunity for him not to be spoon-fed mm-hmm. forever and ever and ever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if, th- if there's a weakness to this for me in relationships with people, um, it's that I am, I'm not only adv- um, averse to, I'm averse to confrontation or what I think might be a confrontation, right? I'm also averse to things that create new and repeating work for myself. Um, there's probably other things, but that's a couple of them. And so one is, one is I don't want to, to use my own phrase, I don't want to make it into a whole thing with somebody. So if it is easier for me to just do the thing that isn't broken, I will tend to do, you're right, I will tend to do the thing that is maybe not optimized, but keeps me from having to turn it into a whole thing. And then the other thing is there are improvements. I am very, there's so many ways I can't talk about this, but uh, I am very conservative about what I'll just generally call creating work for myself. But what I really mean to say is creating unnecessary hassle, chaos, and mayhem for myself. So like, while it may look like I'm coasting on a lot of things, it's more like I'm very picky about what I start um, unless I, I feel like there's going to be, when I say payoff, I don't mean in terms of money, but like, there's a reason I don't have 50 Patreons for 50 podcasts about 50 topics. Like I could not, I could not do that well. And the amount of effort and agita that goes into that would not deliver 50 times the value of what I'm doing right now. Do you know what I mean? So it's sometimes difficult to explain to people like, well, you do this there. Why don't you do that here? And it's like, believe me, I have my reasons. We do this show the way we do because I don't want to edit this show. If we can have a show that we arrange in such a way that we have a budget for a fantastic editor 
like Jim and for ad people like Carrie and for the, the whole team that helps this show. Like, that's how we can make this show go. Um, and there are probably certainly ways we could optimize it, we could improve it, improve it, we could do stuff. One of the things for me is that, like, I know how I am with podcasts. I like my podcasts a certain way. I don't like too many guests on podcasts that I like. I don't like too many live episodes of a podcast I like. And I don't like too much monkeying with the, with the furniture and the pillars. And so, like, in this case, again, I'm back to the, like, why aren't you a potted fern? Well, it's like, why don't you do a Patreon for this? And it would be like, well... I don't think we need a Patreon for this. And there's no way I'm going to do the amount of effort that would be needed for me to feel like I've earned a Patreon from this. And like, it's every, everything you do is different. And people want to try and apply these uh, kind of codex, codexes rather about, you know, how you do this one thing to how you do this other thing. And it's like, I'm very resistant to feeling like anybody can like apply any one codex to any other thing that I do, because my reasoning may not be perfect, but I sometimes do satisfy, like in some cases I satisfy because I think it'll work. And in other cases, I do have my reasons. And so that's why I text them on Sunday nights. Yeah, that's part of the church of hustle thing where they're like, you, you know, you should be hustling with all the things that you do. Do try, you know, monetize everything you do in every way that it can be monetized. Do all the possible things that you can do. Have a blog, have a podcast, have a Patreon, have a members thing, you know, like have advertising. Just do it all for all the things all the time because yeah. You never know which you don't, is, you don't a, know what's is gonna, gonna work. work. Yeah, and exactly. if you're not and if you're not hustling on all of them, then maybe you're missing an opportunity and there's just you'd end up either just spreading yourself too thin or burning yourself out, or yeah. you know, at a certain point you realize that's not that's not sustainable and you have other life priorities. This whole sort of subcurrent of the the younger generation of the I mean, you see the ads for it that and the backlash for the ads and the backlash for the backlash for the ads. I forget what it is, but it's like but we had it in our generation too. Remember, like uh, eighty hours a week and loving it. T-shirts from Apple in the eighties mm-hmm. and stuff like that, or the go-go eighties, right? I guess every generation of youngsters has to endure this sort of both externally and internally inflicted uh, masochism. Well, that, 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 that's that's how you would to, to go to our uh, the, the I'll reset the clock. The, it takes it takes that desire, the hustle, and the grit. It takes that. It, it, it for you to have the things that you are capable of in life, you're going to have to do extraordinary things and expect extraordinary things out of people. Not in terms of like their development and growth and stuff like that, but in terms of like to, to be like the the ten x whatever. Like you're going to have to, like you say, you're going to have to cover every bit of that page with ads. You're going to have to promote this stuff in all these different places. You're going to have to do all of this like existential SEO of an undetermined um, amount of success because why? Because somebody on YouTube says that's what you should do. Yeah, because if your thing isn't doing well, it's like, well, why aren't you, why, you know, why aren't you promoting it on this? Why don't you have a video channel? Why don't you have like, there's always some reason to say, you know, if, if something is not succeeding, it's because you didn't try thing X that everyone knows you should try. Right, right, or the cargo culting of, and like, I'm just, I'll piss from the high ground for a minute. The whole, like, I have to be on Facebook for my work. Thing, which I guess is true, but like, how will you know when you don't have to be on Facebook for your work anymore? Mm-hmm. That's something everybody tends to say. How, I will really, you, how will you know when you don't have to remind John before the show? I'll find out. Um, <laughs> let me give you an example, though, and uh, this is this is, an, this is an honest, real example. So, um, people listening to by Friday know that uh, Max had a list called Political Twitter. We started following. Uh, I eventually branched off and made my own list of Political Twitter with the people that. Some of the people from a ton of the people from Max's list, but people that I particularly like, 
Um, partly, you know, oftentimes because I think they break important stories or they have something good to say, but also just because I like the way they use Twitter. It wouldn't be fun to have a political Twitter list with people where you didn't like how they did Twitter. And that's where you get into the problem. Okay. So I've said this before about uh, the guy from Axios. There's a lot of people like this. You, they've worked hard on a story all day, two days, a year. They've worked on a story. And they find a way to tweet it out three, some people find a way to tweet it out from their personal account three to five different ways. And there must be classes people take on this. There's one where you have the auto-submitted one that is like the official Washington Post or New York Times story. There's another one where you pick out a choice quote. I imagine there's like people who help with this. You pick out a really choice quote, you do another choice quote, and then you might do that six times for that story just in the first hour or two. And then you start doing the retweets where somebody, especially somebody, you know, with a blue check mark has like uh, tweeted out your link as well and said, wow, interesting uh, a theory on uh, whether Jeffrey Epstein shrieked in his cell. And so you tweet, you retweet that out three or four nice comments about your podcast. You retweet those out. And then, of course, you go further down the long tail and you get into, like, in light of today's news, I'm just re-upping this article from October. That's the hustle. That's the game. That's what people have to do, I guess. They think they have to do in journalism. But here is the problem. I'm your worst nightmare because I'm actually interested in what you have to say. I'm actually, I actually like your reporting. <laughs> I actually respect you. And Worst of all, I actually really like the way you usually use Twitter because you're really good at it. And then like, then you go and you do stuff like that and you look like such an idiot. You, you, you look, it's so callow. It's so, and of course, everybody looks at it and goes, well, you got to do it. That's the hustle. You got to fill up every, every uh, square inch of that white with ads. You got to tweet this thing out 35 times. But you know what? I'm actually reading your stuff. And when I see you do that, that makes you seem less cool to me not less cool. It makes you seem less competent. It makes you seem less confident. It makes you seem like you are really desperately struggling um, for today's iota of attention. And I know maybe Sandy Barron and uh, Dean Beckett like tell you to do that, but like that's a bummer because you look like a dingling now. And that, the reason I put you on the list, not that it matters, I put you on the list because I like the way you do Twitter. And when you do that, you get Jonathan Axios. Yeah. I'm like part of it might be that it is literally somebody's job to do that. And they have like some kind of metric associated with their job. And the only way they know how to move those metrics is by doing this. And so the, the idea that there is a single mind deciding on the image they want to present to the world is not, not founded in reality when it's really just a bunch of tiny minds with their own tiny little worlds and tiny perspectives and tiny incentives. Yeah. And the overall picture is awful, but from the perspective of that one little thing comes their yearly review, they're like, Oh, I, I increased engagement with blah, blah, blah by X percent. Uh, and, you know, or what can we do to increase it? Uh, maybe tweet out a few more times. Maybe find, uh, you know, what time, what 17 times a day should I tweet? Again, you're right. it's, again it's, it's, a, it's, it's partly a cargo cult because yeah. I bet they know a little and I bet they don't know a lot. Yeah. And I mean, the other part of it is I feel like it possibly an incorrect assumption from our perspective and that we continue to think of Twitter as a place where you choose who to follow and you read their tweets, but that's not what Twitter is anymore and hasn't been for a long time. Really, it's just this algorithmic mixing machine where you just throw a bunch of ping pong balls in and they pop out at random times for random people and you just got to throw in more and more balls because chances are that zero of those are going to ever be seen by anybody and you just want to make sure one is visible. And you, poor sucker over there reading every single tweet that comes out of them, mm -hmm. are seeing all their ping pong balls 
but that's not the usual experience that there's that possibility all their ping pong balls i had an experience with this recently i was on i was on a podcast that i recorded months ago i think uh certainly the beginning of the summer maybe even before that uh that just came out and uh because i am had mentioned in the tweet about the podcast i've seen that they've tweeted about this podcast at least once a day for about a week now oh, i'm wondering geez. if it's ever going to stop <laughs> i'm wondering oh, if there's no. gonna will there come a day where Who i don't see for? an official i'd rather not say no, very no, no, nice no, 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 I don't mean that way. I mean, like, who's excited to see that daily tweet? Well, that's the thing. The thing is, like, it's obviously not somebody who follows that account. Because if you followed that account, you'd be like, this is the seventh day in a row that I've seen a tweet from this account about I mean, you're this. just putting flyers up in phone booths. Right, but but I think feel like the idea is that, look, nobody follows this account. Or if they do follow it, no one sees these tweets because they just, you know, we don't know when they're online. So we just have to throw out one or two of these tweets per day, mm-hmm. every day, for a month. And... That's what it takes to get one person to see at one time, like because that one person missed all the 800 other tweets and retweets or whatever, but they just caught that one. And they, when they catch that one, they're like, this is great. This is why I follow this account, because I get these great information about the school episode and I'm interested in it and I'll go listen to it. Right. Mm-hmm. They didn't see all the other tweets about it. Like nobody <laughs> is following this account and also reading every tweet from the account because that's not how people use Twitter. Yeah, I guess you're right. Except for poor suckers like me and apparently you. Yeah. You see all the tweets and and like you said, you see the matrix and you're just like, the, you, what you're seeing is what it looks like from their perspective. Like you're seeing them at their little console every day formulating a new tweet and sending it out. And I feel like that perspective is shared by a small number of people in the audience and the people whose job it is to do that. And it's just, it's, it's all so, boy, you really, that is really uh, cynical, dark, but I think you're right. And I mean, it's just, it's also that there's so little, at least the people who are doing exactly four tweets with quotes, I, I think I get what they're trying to do. And I've thought about doing it myself because it, it does make a lot of sense. It would make a lot of sense for me to be more, and I do tricky stuff like this too. Like what the, if we get a bunch of good titles, I will tweet out a list of the good titles with the link because to me, that's fun content, as they say, where somebody might want to listen to the show because they're curious. So, oh my gosh, what even do all these titles mean? It's just when it gets so uncreative to where, you know, I mean, this is even setting aside all the people in political Twitter, the journalists who retweet what Donald Trump just said with two greater than symbols. And it's like, is that, is that your idea of journalism? Is like, you didn't even just retweet it. You quote tweeted it with arrows. Like, is that what they teach you in J school? That's so lame. But then also, and I think this has got to be automated. There must be something in the CMS where you click to tweet. And so if you're like me, when you see a tweet go out, I often just read whatever is quoted or linked to, right? And you'll see something like, what? Um, Dow drops Dow drops uh, 100 points on concerns about China trade sanctions. And then the content of their tweet is, Dow drops 100 points on threat of China, China trade actions. And you're like, really? It, it, <laughs> that's, that's so lame. Like, why? Why are you doing this? You're a writer. Tell me a story. See, now I'm just being a simp, aren't I? I'm being naive. Yeah. I mean, you I mean, I'm, like getting mad, the, I'm getting mad at the phone book, basically. The, the, uh, the, the sending of multiple tweets, whatever. The thing is, I, I experience it too, because if I tweet something organically at the time it happens and everyone's asleep, nobody sees it. And when I tweet it again the next day, where I try to come up with some new way to frame it or whatever. Yeah. And somebody sees it and they're like, oh, thanks for tweeting this. Right. They, like they, they were actually reply and, 
and thank me for notifying them of something. And if that was my third tweet, that reinforces in my mind the idea that I have to tweet at least three times. Right? Oh, no. About they're, the same they're, thing. They're training you. Yeah. I mean, uh-huh. but I feel like that, that's, the, that's the reinforcing mechanism because people don't read their whole timelines and aren't around all the time and Twitter is uh, ephemeral and, uh-huh. you know, like no, I still I, I understand try that. to keep it under. Honestly, you know, this doesn't really make a difference for stuff that I do. But like, I just got it today with the people who are like, I someone tweeted me that they were at the Fathom Events Millennium Actress thing. And yeah. I, made a snar- I made a snarky quote tweet. Not yeah. intending to no, inform anybody of anything, that just trying funny. to make a funny, trying to make a funny tweet. But people replied and said, "Oh, thanks for reminding me. I just got there with an hour to spare because of my joke tweet." Were you making fun of me? Yeah, yeah, that was funny. Yeah, you know who's good at this is um, there's a lot of people who are good at this. Cable Sasser, Cable, or whoever like is working with Cable at Panic. He writes his own tweets. What are you talking about? How well, dare you? That's what I'm. That's How what I'm. That's why I'm saying he's good at it. It's yes, like yes. when cable, when cable. Uh, I mean, so the thing is, cable and panic. You work on his capitalization. That's all I'm gonna say. Okay, okay. Well, like when they announced their little uh, fishing rail dingus video game, um, that was such a great tweet. It was, it was. I mean, he's so good at like, you know, you see the for, you see the formulas for these things over and over, and like, you know, so this thing happened, or you see, wow, can't believe this is finally. Whoa, what an honor to see. There's all the like, huh? But like when, but Cable's good at that. There's something very, um, like genuine and in his voice about that that does not feel douchey. That I think is something, it doesn't, not, not just Cable, but he's one who jumps straight to mind. Like I was happy to tweet and retweet the crap out of the little fishing reel because it was so well, it looked great, but also how well presented it was. Like that, like to, to be a little bit douchey for a second, I mean, part of your brand becomes. Um, how you frame the stuff that you're doing. And, and in the case of like, again, with Cards Against Humanity, what is the voice of this company? What is the voice of this person? But boy, if you can pull that off with a company where it really sounds like this is always the same person talking in the way that you like that company, I think that's, I think that's so amazing. So, I mean, I guess part of, I guess what I'm trying to say, despite all my naivete and callowness, is like looking at like, how there's always all of these precepts, these cargo culting things, the cutting the ends off the roast type things, where it's just understood there's this BS that you have to do because of your profession or because of the environment and how things are today. And like, you got to do that because nobody looks at Twitter, so you got to do it seven times. But like, so the mandate for doing all this nonsense is just breathless. Just co- you're constantly reminded all this junk you're supposed to be doing to reach somebody. But like, there's so little artfulness in what and how people try to present it. It's there's no there's no doesn't seem any sense of like to actually attract or to entertain or to truly inform. It really it just feels like even you, the poster, are exhausted with having to shovel this same pile three inches to the left every day. It's the reminder call thing all over again because if you uh, let's say you're a publication and you decide. as I do with my great publication, hypercritical.co, that receives at least one post per year. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, whether it needs it or not, yeah. Right. Um, what I do is when I post something on my website, the official hypercritical Twitter account, which is just at hypercritical, sends a tweet with the title of the post and a link to it. Uh, just one. And that's all there will ever be Yeah, from that account. And by doing that, I'm, I'm creating a pattern of behavior. Same thing with, let's say, Daring Fireball, right? And the pattern of behavior is, look, if you want to see what is published 
mm-hmm. on this website. You can either go to the website and look with your eyeballs, use an RSS reader, or look at the Twitter account, which will have one tweet per post. And that's training everybody out there. Like This is how this is going to work. I'm not going to tweet again from the official account about mm-hmm. the thing that I already tweeted about. It's just the one. And it will just be sitting there. Like, that's not going to be a noisy. It's just like the official account of the site. It's just an announcement account or whatever. If you want to look at that account, you're not going to see a lot of tweets. The most recent one is going to be the tweet from the most recent article. Yeah. That's the way this works. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and there's everything you got out with, like, the looking desperate or being cool or whatever. But, but, but the bottom line is it's pattern of behavior that people can understand and predict. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If your pattern of behavior is I'm going to fire a shotgun and keep tweeting and tweeting and tweeting. You're training people to say, I don't have to really look at that feed. Some Somehow, some way. You're training the people who care. Well, no. Well, that, there's that aspect. But the other aspect well, the is, thing the is people, you can't the train the people care. who don't care. That's where well, the, the people who don't care are being trained too, though, because they're saying, I don't have to worry about this site. I know hmm. that if I just go about my life, at some point, somehow, some way, a tweet will get in front of my face that tells me about the most recent article. Maybe there'll mm-hmm. be two of them. Maybe there'll be three of them. Maybe there'll be one. But I don't have to do anything. I don't have to pay attention. I don't have to seek it out. It just ambiently, because of their efforts, their fire hose efforts, it will be presented in front of my face somehow. And the technique they use for doing that is just a giant shotgun that just blasts this information everywhere, everywhere, all the time, right? Mm-hmm. That's how you're training the rest of your audiences. I don't have to pay that much attention to that. It will come and find me, which is terrible because it, it, it like pollutes the environment with the spew of all these places trying to get your attention by just spewing and spewing and spewing. And then whichever ones happen to filter down, come in front of your face. And then the masses who don't have to pay attention, like, oh, the world presents itself to me. Like, that's, that's a terrible model. But whatever you do, you are training the people who come and see your stuff, whether mm-hmm. they're specifically interested in it or they just happen to see it and come. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hustle, you gotta have hustle, gotta have grit. Yeah, that, that, that I feel like is is a separate issue of like what what do you think you need to do to be successful and the glorification of working yourself to death and the eventual like yeah, circling back to that. Uh, this was one point I want to one more point I want to bring up on that thing. Those tropes, like I'm sure, have always been there, certainly in post industrial evolution, but even when people are farmers, probably or whatever. I was just referencing from. Our childhoods are the go-go 80s where you got to, like, work the job and, you know, be subordinate to the more senior people in the job and do mm-hmm. what your boss tells you and do it, like, just, or even everything in, like, 50s, having the boss over for dinner and presenting your house, like, just this, so what you have to do to be successful in your career. It's just, like, you really need to just work yourself to death. And so that has always been a trope. And the, the other trope that I feel like has been with us for a really long time is the trope where they show somebody doing that doing whatever the thing is whether it's the go-go 80s or the millenniums uh hopped up on caffeine and staying up all night and, and working themselves to death or like during the dot-com boom just like just eating rice in somebody's basement and just well think about think about how the the desks made of doors yeah at, at yahoo were like sleeping under your desk like that was in the early books about the dot-com era there would always be like photos of people sleeping under their desk to show like how serious these people were about their work Right. And they, the, the other trope that goes with that is they someone does that, usually in some fictionalized story, and what they learn is the important lesson that family is really all that matters. And then in the end, you you should, you know, if you're sacrificing, you <laughs> miss your child, the climax of the movie is they miss their child being born because they're working on some dumb thing that ends up as a failure anyway. And, and nobody ever died saying, I wish I'd worked more. And like, you know, that, that whole story, that is also evergreen. There are always mm-hmm. movies about someone who's usually older or whatever, who learns that lesson, learns that important lesson in life, that work isn't everything, family is everything or whatever. And 
shouldn't sacrifice your health or your family relationships or you start you you neglect your wife and she leaves you or you you end up not you know putting the effort into your relationship or your children hate you because you didn't put it like that is 100 a story and that story always exists right alongside the story about how you have to work yourself to death and those two stories just march down history and change their you know the outfits change and the and the the you know the specifics change but those two stories are always there and i feel like people's lives like when you're young you just see the story where Here's what you have to do to succeed, work, work, work. And when you're older, you start to relate more to the story. Hopefully you don't relate too much of like, hey, if you do all that and ignore everything else in your life and all your relationships, you'll be miserable. So yeah. don't do that. Some, somebody made a joke the other day about like, I think on Chapo, they were saying something about the kind of guys who are really into the the first hour of Goodfellas and it, like they've never seen the last hour of Goodfellas. Yeah, yeah no, that's, that's I've. I have this feeling all the time and I, it's such a weird way to view the world, but it explains why I'm so into pop culture stuff and why I want to talk about TV and movies in this show and why I love the incomparable and all that stuff is not that I, like media taught me everything about the world, but I, you know, I have life experiences, but they're mostly limited. Like everyone's life experiences are limited. Like we all haven't been a million different things and been in a million different places. You can only really lead one life the way I, the, the way I feel like I learned how, how things could go in life and how things might go for me and how things go for other people is through art, through reading books, you know, watching movies, like just, television shows and like there are so many repeating cliches and tropes that you end up with a like codex to use your word of, of just like possible scenarios and some of them uh recur a lot so I, I just mentioned two of them like you know how you have to work real hard uh to get ahead in your career and it's difficult when you're young and energetic or whatever and the second one is like how if you do that and neglect your family you'll be sad and miserable and this but there's a million of these and it's it's why i'm always baffled by people who encounter something in life and my my go-to uh fantasy discussion with them is like haven't you ever seen a movie <laughs> like this is who you are in the movie have, have you like have you watched I, I can this tell movie? i can tell who your character is and i know which act we're in right and like and like you, 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 but <laughs> i've you have seen to, this you, movie so many times but you have to sneak up on it. you have to be right. like have you seen the movie x and they're like mm -hmm. yeah no i love that movie and it's like uh the character why are they the hero or the villain they're like oh they're the villain why are they the villain? Well, they're the villain because blah, 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 right? And I would say, in your life, are you character Y the villain or character Q the hero? Like, in the, if this movie was your life, and they, 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 there's a disconnect. Like, they, ne they can never make the leap. They'll be with you right up in the point where saying, yep, I've seen that movie. Everyone's seen that movie. I love that movie. Yes, that character is the villain. They're the villain because of this. They get all that right. And then you say, now in your life. And they're like, oh, well, no, nah, that's no connection between those two things. Like, mm -hmm. same, not to... Everything comes back to this now. I know I don't want this not due by Friday, but like with with our with our mm -hmm. with President Trump, right? Oh no, it's 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 been like, clear like, all along you, what movie we're watching. Forget about movies. Forget about movies. Like who manages to reach adulthood in this country never having encountered somebody like that? Never having encountered mm -hmm. like a, a a blowhard bully like like it's such a cliche that's like surely you have seen people like this he's, in I your mean, life that's that he's 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 sort of like a like a middle school bully he's also like every bad boss you've ever had right, right. He's, like, he's like a he's like a bad roommate he's he is in so many ways he exhibits the things of people you spend your life thinking gosh i hope i find a way to get away from this person yeah and like and so definitely those people are in movies and books and tv shows and everything but also you encounter them in real life and when you mm -hmm. encounter them in real life don't you learn the lesson you learn is like wh what 
what does it mean to, to hang out with a person like that? What, what If you align yourself with a person like that, if you allow that person to be in charge of anything, if you wonder about the, what the person's motivations will be or how they'll act, it's like, it's so boring that, like, middle school students should be like, I, I got that person's number. I know people just like that, and I know how this turns out. And yet, for huge swaths of the public, it's not the case. They don't make the connection. Or, it just, I don't know, it boggles my mind. Anyway, that... It's it's probably a silly way to to view the world, but I feel like it's a it's a model that fits a lot. And sometimes you will actually break through with that analogy, where they're like, you know what, I am this character in that story that I know well, and I didn't realize it before. But rarely, most of the time, it's like the stories are the stories. And I mean, I always wonder about all the racist people. Like they watch they watch you know American History X, and they're like, which person in the story are you? Mm-hmm. You would like you would hope they're like. Yeah, well, I'm. I'm the. Are the racists the heroes of this movie, or and they're gonna say, "Well, this is a bad movie. Like it's anti-racist or whatever." Like well, that. did you did you see the? I don't. I, I cannot vet the uh, accuracy of this. It looks like it was some kind of a travel advisor or similar. The review of a tour of a plantation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It's too much about slavery. It makes yeah, me feel bad. Like they're trying to make me feel bad. Yeah, yeah. I didn't come. I didn't come here. I'd rather go back to Louisiana where they have good tours of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that—that that is a, a higher level of nuance. But like the 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 the, the reason these conversations never actually happen or work is because they're like, well, but that's not that that movie isn't fair, or you know, uh, that's like they, they'll disagree with the premise. They won't ever get to the, to mm. the point. But, mm-hmm. but it's like, but but it makes me think like that at a certain point you have to be so disengaged from culture because everything in culture is telling you that you're the villain, and so you must totally disengage from it. Like every like literally every piece of popular media is like heroes are like this and villains, heroes be like this and villains be like this. And <laughs> if you're if you're like this, then everything in media is telling you that you're the villain. And you're like, but I'm not the villain. I'm a good person. So I reject all of that. And so you become increasingly disconnected from the society in which you live because everything in that society is telling you that you're bad because you are bad. You are actually bad, right? And and it's it's just that's why they get the whole liberal Hollywood like Hollywood's always telling me it's bad to be racist and I'm not down with that right because I'm not <laughs> racist there's that quote I just had, had to look it up but um this quote Mac Max really likes that's really good from it looks like it's from Haruki Murakami uh it begins with if there's a hard high wall and an egg that breaks against it no matter how right the wall or how wrong the egg I will stand on the side of the egg um and and I think I mean, it's well. You can go back to uh, I almost said Key and Peel. You go back to uh, Mitchell and Webb. You know Hans. You know, are we the baddies? Mm-hmm. When you look and you see the skull on your hat, you're like, are mm-hmm. we the baddies? Like a lot of a, a surpassing number of people in America, they may not definitely be the wall, but they're pretty definitely not the egg, and they're they're yeah. pretty sure that they're the egg, and that that wall is coming for them. And that leads me to the other depressing thing, which has less to do with pop culture Ooh, and more to do with like <laughs> more, more more to do with like the. Uh, you know, uh, imagined conversations with people trying to convince them of a thing that you're never going to convince them of. It came up on it came up on your on Debo Friday. Do I Friday? I think you brought it up. Um, with that that video from that older woman who has the series uh, about racism, and she asked the people in the audience, uh, "Raise your hand if you would like to be treated the way this country treats black people." Mm-hmm. The whole one is full of white people, and nobody raises their hand, right? Yeah, and that can be profound and affecting. But every time I see that, I think. Uh, that that's it's kind of like any any time you're trying to explain sexism to somebody uh the the obvious answer and the reason that doesn't work on the people it needs to work on is they'll no they won't raise their hands like no i don't want to be treated like this country treats black people and they're like see so you know black people are treated badly and you know the 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 more extreme angle of that is like what if you were a black person and the answer is always yeah but if i was a black person i would deserve it 
same thing with women. It's like, I oh, wouldn't want to be treated. I, I think it's fair to I say. I wouldn't want to be treated the way women mm, but are treated. I think but it's fair if I was to a say, woman, well, the way that black people get treated by people who aren't me. Like, I'm not part of the problem. That's that's one angle. But I feel like the other one is eventually you get to like, can't you empathize? Like, what if you were a woman? It's like, yeah, but but right. if I was a woman, I would deserve to be treated. If I was a woman, I shouldn't know how to read and write. I should be in the kitchen. Mm. I should be pregnant. I should submit to my president. Like, there's no way to get them to understand because at their root, <laughs> this is their foundational I think that's belief. that's about color than... Sex. I know. I think it's true. I think it's true about like if you try to lead them down this garden path of this like logic and connecting the dots, right? Because they're the going to come like, back at you with it. Then now you're basically about ten seconds away from there's good black people and bad black people. Where you're going to get into this whole like some of my best friends are black and that kind of thing. Like I don't I don't hate black people. I hate the black people that cause the problems, which is most of them. But it's just like this is these are the roles they should be in. And like yeah, it's terrible that they get treated that way. Mm-hmm. It's like well, would you want to be treated that way? It's no. It's like well, what if you were a black person? It's like well, if I was a black person, I would deserve to be treated that way. If Stop I was a woman, this. that's exactly. <laughs> Because that's the foundational thing. You're like yeah. you think you finally got them. You think they finally got to understand. It's like, but no. If I was a woman, I would have to submit to my husband because that's the role of women. Like I would deserve right, right. it. It's like a, it's like a twist on that wonderful meta filter thread where people found a way to get free cameras from Amazon, and somebody wrote this. It's such a great thread from the early days of meta filter. And somebody says, well, you know, this is really a bit wrong. Like no matter how you feel about corporations, and like you shouldn't you shouldn't be doing this because you know it's still stealing. And then the famous response, the one sentence response is, yeah, but we got free cameras. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's what you're describing. It's like, well, yeah, but I'm not black. So wh- where are we going with this? Well, yeah, but, I yeah. Young people, like young people and people like you and Dan love to make fun of, oh, you're getting old and oh, you're, it's, oh, it's a problem. And it's like, well, you know, you, I used to think that people, that old people were, were dumb and did something wrong. And then I realized, no, they just happened to just stay alive. I used to think there was something like wrong with people who were old. Did you read about the brain shrinking? No, I don't think so. Did I? The recent thread in a Slack that I think we're both in mentioning about uh, someone was getting uh, brain scans or whatever. And it's like, yeah, your brain starts to shrink after you turn 40 hmm. or whatever. Like, this is <laughs> not a thing that happens to everybody. <laughs> it's just a thing that happens to everybody. Seemingly shocking, but no, that's just aging. So you get 15 good years. You get 15 good years. You get them by 25, 25 or 26, your middle brain is finally finished forming and you'd stop speeding as much and then at 40 yeah. it's the whole the whole unit starts shrinking is that the idea you got about 15 good years yeah well i mean you can tell people like you shouldn't you shouldn't uh beat uh old people like the elder abuse is a very serious issue and they're like yeah but if i was old i would deserve it 